Alright, welcome back everybody to the Cancel for Maintenance podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are a show that takes a behind-the-scenes look into the greedy, non-glamorous life of aviation maintenance. We share some laughs and part some wisdom, all in hopes of giving you that split-second relief in your day that can prevent mishaps. I am your host, Six. I'm MVP. And our third host, Shoreline, is in the back silently keeping track of our audio and making sure it's good to go. And that our faces stay fit for radio. <laughs> Thanks again for everything. <laughs> uh, so th- today's topic is pretty near and dear to our hearts. And it's been pretty near and dear for the past couple of years. And that's total quality management. Right. Now, this may sound like a completely foreign term to a lot of people. But for anyone who's ever thought about being a project manager or program manager or has some experience doing either, this is going to be something that will be very uh, emphasized throughout your lifetime as a project manager or a program manager, especially if you're doing this for like a certification. So, so, and, and really it'll be all, all positions, you know, as, as we'll discuss here as we, as we roll through, but uh, you know, you'll, you'll realize that <clears throat> total quality management really means from the lowest level to the top. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So uh, just to kick it off here a little bit. So the total quality management is a philosophy that originated from uh, W. Edwards Deming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deming was an American statistician uh, who was credited for the rise of Japan as a manufacturing nation. His principles transformed the Japanese automotive industry into developing very high quality products that gained significant market share against American uh, manufacturers back in the 70s and 80s so uh you know many of you out there i don't know if you're you know how how well read up you are on it but uh toyota is like the standard when it comes to uh agile lean uh manufacturing practices principles you know near zero waste um japan took these deming deming's total quality management principles to heart and developed a whole new standard of how how a manufacturing business is run, just like Henry Ford did with the assembly line back in way back in the eighteen uh, late eighteen early nineteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he he revolutionized that back then, and then Japan just kicked it into the into the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seventy eighty years later. Yep. And what what's funny is before Deming came about. Japan was actually like the butt of all jokes as far as like anything manufactured. Like they can't build stuff right. They, everything's all shoddy. I mean, hearing this now today, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it, like Japan just like, how do you spell quality? J-A-P-A-N quality. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, but, but, I mean, but, I, I'm a fan. I, I have, I own two Toyota vehicles. Massive yeah. fan. I, I've Same never here. had any issues with so, a Toyota vehicle. Right. Yeah. And so like, um, before then, before Deming came about, Japan was like the butt of all jokes, like I said. And then uh, what uh, drove Deming to um, do that stuff with Japan is it, we started having like these interpersonal relationships with Japan. Like, hey, we're uh, let's put let's make bygones be bygones and start working together and stuff. And a bunch of other professional, personal reasons why Deming chose to go to Japan. But when he did, uh, as MVP stated, like uh, he took all those principles that has now been meshed into the total quality management philosophy and just skyrocketed uh, Japan eons into the future. Like you see anything that comes out of Japan, almost it's it's almost they're they're manufactured almost the exact same philosophy. They're the way they handle their uh, quality is almost the exact same philosophy. And so it's almost guaranteed that what comes out of Japan, like what gets exported and import from Japan and into the U.S. is pretty solid. And the case in point is Toyota. Like, I mean, they did have a rash of things going wrong, but for the most part, like those things are damn near indestructible. And the resale value is like fantastic. <laughs> um, so uh, speaking with Deming um, and as far as total quality management, so the whole idea with uh total quality management as MVP stated is it's a top-down philosophy so we get this framework to run a business and the idea is to be very customer driven customer focused customer driven and it starts from the bottom up like not just from the top down bottom up it's it goes both ways because 
according to the according to the philosophy of total quality management, like if the employee, uh, us as the employees, are not invested into the product or are not invested into the process, then it, it's good. You can push whatever you want from the from the executive level down, and it's just going to fall on deaf ears every time. God, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Right. So let's look at the uh, principles of total quality management. So first one is cease dependence on inspection and build quality into the product. So that ties in with what Six was just saying, that at all levels, uh, personnel have have to have some stake in the quality of the product, right? So instead instead of building something and then at the end going, okay, uh, quality assurance, now you have X amount of time to find all the defects. Well, you know, Oftentimes, as, as many of us know, uh, QA is one of the smallest departments. Um, so, so things are going to slip through the cracks, right? They're only going to find so much. They're not going to have a chance to get and see everything, especially in, let's say, an aircraft, right? Where, uh, you know, certain uh, sub assemblies or, or uh, bays are closed off. Like once they mm-hmm. got the skin over the surface, you can't see in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so at every stage or every uh, iteration, sprint, whatever you want to call it, there should be uh, a QA uh, inspection process there. And, and oftentimes, um, you know, here, here it ties in with everybody, right? Uh, the people who built or developed it should QA the product themselves prior to calling QA out there to inspect. Right. Uh, uh, and it just doubles down, right? You know, it's yes. almost a, the, uh, a fail safe. In, instead of being a first, last, and only line of defense, uh, we should build several layers. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say, man, that kicking off with that one is like, like, like and their first pass touchdown. Damn. Because, <laughs> right. I mean, that one I can tell you right now is going to trigger all that one principle alone is going to trigger a lot of people because. Uh, we've, we've actually talked about this some time ago where like we're relying too heavily on the final assembly line or the final, uh, uh inspection point to be the catch all for everything. And they, as MVP said, like some, some things they're closed off or they're un- inaccessible. So like, well, I can't see it. So it looks good to me. Right. But well, what that also means with this principle and especially I'm, I'm going to touch on this because my my headaches grow from people doing this. <laughs> like they, they only see, they can, they consider that final inspection point or that last sign off as quality assurance. Like that's our quality assurance. We checked it. It's inspected. It's good to go. And we see that all the time, like with certain products that stamp quality control approved or quality assurance approved. I'm like, was it though? <laughs> cause, right. uh, cause like you're fine. You're, yeah, don't don't get quality control mixed up with quality assurance. Like they're two different things. I mean, they they kind of work hand in hand with each other, but they're not all. They're not the same thing. Uh, the different the main difference is is uh, I think we were going to kind of uh, bleed into this, but quality control just detects problems. It doesn't prevent them from ever happening, and that's where like what MVP was alluding to. So like, if you're gonna um, do something. At least have that level of assuring yourself that you've gone through the mo- that you've made sure that any possible defects or any possible issues have been identified and addressed. So once we put the the product or whatever it is you're doing through the pipeline, it's gonna be good to go. I don't know, ninety nine percent of the time, right? Saving any anything crazy like the printer broke or the machine needed to get greased or the drill bit broke or the guy who does the, the maintenancing or the, or the, or the safer flighting broke his arm or some shit, you know what I mean? Or had carpal tunnel that day. So I mean, I'm just going to touch on that one because that's like probably like a good source of a lot of our headaches today as aircraft mechanics, as quality assurance people, as um, industry professionals, let's say is a lot of people get that mixed up where, well, they checked it. So it must be good. Oh, I mean, yes, but it there's only so much we can do with the given amount of uh, space and avail and availability we have. Like, um, I think we had this with Stig some other time where like he, they got kind of go they do a once over of the plane before it takes off. I'm like, well, if something internally wrong, like deep internally wrong, like I 
if I don't see it from the from the surface level up, I won't see it. And for all we know, this thing's flying around and it has some deep, dark issue that's just like festering in there. We can't tell what it is until something actually does happen. Uh, so right. <laughs> that's my little soapbox for that one. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, so kind of what you, some of the stuff you mentioned uh, sort of ties in with the remaining principles that I'll go over here. So uh, one being, the next one being emphasis on the human aspect of quality. Again, that ties in with um, each person who has their hands in the project has a stake in quality right Mm -hmm. they need to they need to know that their job uh, is is take pride in essentially take pride in your job no matter what it is like Mm -hmm. you have your job is important and 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 you should do your best to ensure that you give the best product you can uh the next one is need for cross-functional collaboration and transformation so that one is more tied in with um the manufacturing line or the uh, flight line ops guys and mm-hmm. quality, right? So uh, this one's kind of a double-edged sword for me. So what, what this one's saying is uh, QA should be kind of integrated in with the maintenance side versus being a separate entity. Uh, I, I'll yield and say I kind of agree if you're out there with them in, in, in the in the muck and maintenance, you, you're right there and you can try to address things as they happen, but it's also a conflict of interest. So that's why you'll hear uh, QA is often that dashed line next to the chain of command. Mm-hmm. Um, we're there with you in it, especially in an operation setting, right? We're there with you in it, out on the floor, the flight line, day in and day out, um, whether it's maintenance or, or events. Um, we're there with you, but we don't report to the same people you do because well, again, conflict of interest. Well, I'm your boss, and I'm telling you, look the other way. Yeah, see, that doesn't. Then, what's the point of having quality? I feel, I feel you on that one. Uh, I could also say, like from the from the execution level, like from the employees level, that could also mean something like uh, the aircraft mechanics work with the avionics technicians, or the avionics technicians work with the supply peoples, right? And uh, there's. I can I can understand the teamwork that it takes to make things happen, right? And definitely that does happen. But uh, I can see what MVP is talking about. If you were to just mesh them all together and just say you all fall under this one person, and that's your your boss for pretty much everything, it can kind of it can get very messy very fast. So like having a little bit of distinction and designation authority would would probably be the best bet. But we we get where it's coming from, where it says like you know you guys got to integrate and understand that you guys. Um, work as a team to get things rolling right like uh we've seen many organizations where they'll draw hard solid lines in the sand like this is my area of jurisdiction and my jurisdiction alone if you do something remotely like that then we're having problems and some of these can get very petty like uh like say aircraft mechanics opening up panels that go towards the aircraft antenna it sounds dumb right like hey i i know how to take panels off too but then there's one play, this one organization we were at, like say, nope, that's my antenna. You guys don't touch it. You guys don't go anywhere near it. And the only time you do it is if I'm present. I'm like, okay, if you want to draw that that line in the sand, just be prepared for a whole lot of times when you get called out for next to unnecessary stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's interesting how you'd mentioned uh, cross collaboration between the different departments, mech tech, supply, support, whoever. Um, I view it as more, though, as uh, the collaboration exists between uh, the the normal chain of command and the dash line that is quality. I get um, you. And why, and why is that, right? So if, if, if quality is there with the mechanic or the technician or supply or whoever doing their daily in and out, um, those individuals learn what QA is looking for and what they're after in the hopes that, okay, now I know what they're looking for. And now I know that I need to ensure that those things are squared away. And then as those things become, those previous issues become non-existent, then QA starts looking at the next thing down the chain. And so it gets better and better and better, which ties in with uh, the last um, principle of ongoing continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one before that, it's the importance of leadership. So, so, Company culture is 
is everything, right? For mm-hmm. for you to for to steer the horse, you got to turn the head type thing. So getting everybody on board and understanding their role and the importance and how quality ties in with everything they do and getting them to see that that that's important and to why they should do the best job they can. It starts at the top, right? And we've all seen it where, you know, we're out there and trying to adhere to policies, process, procedures, uh, maintenance manual, you know, uh, tasking, which sometimes are very laborious and, and, and intrusive and, you know, keeps the plane grounded for longer. And your management's yelling at you, I need it on the schedule now. Well, do you want it done right? Or do you want it, you know, what, what, or do you want it not done at all? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you got to get uh, leadership on board and then it all rolls down from the hill from there. But the, I wanted to touch again on the ongoing continuous improvement, mm-hmm. the ongoing continuous improvement. Um, again, instead of having inspectors at the very end, looking at the, let's use Toyota again, looking at a final assembled car, um, you're going to miss some things. Whereas if you're spot checking it at every major point along the assembly line, by the time you get a finish, the finished product, the final inspections almost irrelevant because you've caught all the mistakes along the way. Then you, what you can do is go back. And so instead of fixing, fixing issues at the end, you now can devote time and effort to figuring out how those errors occurred at a particular stage. And, spend uh you know your 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 time rectifying those issues which is way more time and money well spent than yes. fixing errors at the end yes i'm glad thank you for that because <laughs> uh as i say this we're very heartfelt like because the, again this is like the bane of my existence right now because there's a lot of times where the decision gets made after the fact or after that final Instead of having those checkpoints, as uh, MVP stated, in, in all facets, right? It doesn't have to be like a, it can be an internal check with you and your teammates. It can be internal check with you and your branch or um, uh, department and so on and so forth. Because it's a lot easier to detect a problem at step five than to detect a, a step five problem at step 99 or whatever. You know what I mean? Just I'm exaggerating here, but that's more or less what it is like because Sometimes it could be buried in there. You don't know. And it's going to cost more for you to have to rip it out and figure out what's wrong than for you to just have done it right the first time. Um, there was a saying, I can't remember who said it. Please, some, like someone comment and tell me. Uh, the saying goes, like, quality is free. It's all the poor decisions that come after it that cost money. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, and then if you ask quality to fix it, so here's another thing a lot of people don't realize. Yes, we all work for the same organization and the same company, but quality is there to detect issues. Um, typically, we're not there to resolve them, although a lot of us will go and we have, you know, here, here's a solution, a potential solution. But a lot of people go, okay, hey, quality says we found a problem. And the organization goes, cool, what are we going to do to fix it? And I always go, uh, are you asking me to fix it? Yeah. Or are you asking for a solution? Yes and yes. I mean, okay, I, I have a solution and a fix. Um, you're going to hate it. Why yes. am I going to hate it? Well, <laughs> it's going to be very expensive for you and time consuming. Uh, none of which are of any concerns to me. Why well, have a budget? Yeah, your budget is means nothing to me. Yeah. Uh, but I will ensure that, that that issue never shows up again. Yes. So, so that's where you have to kind of take an agile approach, uh, more of a scrum approach. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a little bit of uh, traditional uh, uh, waterfall planning in there with the flexibility of, of an agile approach, which allows you to make changes on the fly. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. I, will, I will tie in there too. Like, um, is ha- uh, this is actually a principle of the TQM as well. It may have. It, we may have mentioned it already, but that's having making fact-based decisions, right? Uh, there's a lot of times where we've seen it, and we've seen it on the aviation floor too, where a lot of individuals will make big kid decisions, like or big, heavily consequential decisions without any facts behind it. Like, uh, what do we need to do? Do this. 
okay like what does that mean right like like where did you come or how did you arrive to that answer right and in order to know how well your organization your department your team is performing you gotta take a look at the the stats right or how like how how are they being uh rated right for their accomplishments right is it a five-star customer rating on yelp is it uh your performance reviews is it like on time flights is it per i don't know like uh per d- discrepancy in your writing whatever whatever that is right that that's you got to kind of look in this and see where you guys are exactly i mean as as average joe mechanics you may not see too much of that but if you do want to be take on something like say a lead position a crew chief position a manager or director position these are numbers you have to really weigh in there because this is how the decisions get made at the mid to C-suite level. Um, uh, man, I, I just, whatever. Anyway, like uh, this is how these things get made. Is they don't just willy-nilly these answers uh, or these decisions. They come based on fact. And if you are, and if your management system or your team-based decision is not being backed up by facts, it's strictly opinions. And then this, and we all know how opinions work. Like sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. And everyone always has a means to challenge it. But if there's facts behind it, like there's numbers driving it, there's um, there's a history that shows these happening or how this works, then we're freaking solid. And uh, uh, that kind of goes into that waterfall agile approach. Like if you don't have the the facts to back it up, you can waterfall this all you want. You can agile this all you want. You can try to uh, Kaizen. That's a bit. That's another big word for people. You can try to kaizen, kaizen or kanban. Uh, kaizen, kaizen. Uh, okay. Uh, you try to kaizen this stuff together, and then it's not going to mean shit because you don't have any facts to back it up one way or the other. Because that that's like part of the decision making process. Is just <laughs> you got to have facts, man. One way, even if it's good or bad. Um, I, I'm going off on a tangent here. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. So here, here's an implication. Uh, of total quality management, right? Uh, Producing quality products is the responsibility of the developing team of the product, which oftentimes, again, has QA involved, right? So that's that's like your QA kind of out there on the floor embedded with the uh, group. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not someone else's responsibility, like a totally separate QA department. So just because, and a lot of people uh, like to think this way um, just because there's a separate QA department does not mean that any defects that, that arise falls on QA. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you guys looked at it. I, I looked at this one specific panel over here. I didn't look in that other one where that component failed. Well, you guys are supposed to do like the three foot rule. Mm-hmm. Again, that other panel was closed. I was called out to look at this. Um, so. It's not, it's everybody's responsibility. It's not just QAs or one individual. Um, but, you know, approaching it this way, again, increases the pride of ownership for mm-hmm. everyone involved. And, and as a result, you'll get a much uh, higher quality product being produced. Yes, yes, right. Uh, I will, yeah, going back a little bit more in depth with Deming himself, when he first, when he made these, he he did uh, emphasize some points that would assist in people like implementing this kind of system, like total quality management. And I believe this is where this is what really turned the tide for Japan to become like the awesome manufacturing superpower it is. And uh, a lot of it was and uh, uh, or one of the points that stuck out to me anyway, was like in uh, the practice of awarding business on price alone, instead minimize total cost by working with a single Actually, no, they, that's not it. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a, uh, let's, well, it's what well, it says, uh, minimize the total cost. Well, I'll, I'll finish the sentence. So, like, so end the practice of awarding business on price alone. Instead, minimize total cost by working with a single supplier. In today's day and age, that, that, that can't, ha- that's a little bit more yeah, of a challenge. Almost non existent. Yeah. So uh, that's why I was like, yep, that's not it. <laughs> but, uh, but here, wait, so here's the one I meant to say. So, eliminate slogans, exhortations, and targets for the workforce. So we hear this time and time again, right? Like everyone comes out with a vision statement with this awesome slogan, like build back better or quality is never, uh, quality is not a race, right? Like, or uh, 
uh, this is my absolute favorite one. It's a uh, mission first people always, right? <laughs> they sound yeah. fantastic. They sound fantastic, man. But like, but when it comes time to actually implement these things, to actually make it happen, right? That's like the go-to for any type of problem, right? Or any type of uh, we come we come across a roadblock. Hey, we're having this problem. Well, people for uh, mission first people always like. Well, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> right or uh, yeah. quality quality's not a race so like but we're racing to get the plane ready for flight so technically it is a race <laughs> so um yeah it's a race with an invisible finish line yeah so i mean it's it's a it's a little nuance i get it and I, if i'm if i'm butchering this up i apologize now but that's kind of like how i took it is you you, you gotta kind of get the the fancy wish-washy words out of the way Unless like it's like a full fleshed out vision statement. And usually with a vision statement, it kind of gets backed up with all kinds of other stuff. But just having a slogan for the sake of a slogan to be your only driver for, for work, that needs to go away. And especially like, uh, like, uh, like number targeting, right? Um, that kind of goes into number targeting. Like we will be under 80% uh, this quarter, right? Or we'll, we'll be plus 20% in our efficiency by the end of this quarter. Setting goals is cool and all, right? But like, if that's like your only focus is like, yeah, and you don't care how you get there, you start turning into that people burnout. You start turning into that product burnout. You start turning into that process burnout. And then next thing you know, like you're the only person at the finish line with whatever it is you're trying to make and nobody uh, left behind you <laughs> to, to come, you know what I mean? To accept, to call it good. Right, like you're just you're there with an em- with a brand new car and an empty factory because everyone quit on you. So <laughs> that that uh that's also part of uh what Debbie was trying to go for is like if we're gonna involve people, you need to make people be invested and want to be a part of this because if you're just gonna use them to be part of the machine to just crank things out and not care for for a bit as long as you hit your objectives, you're gonna be uh you're gonna be alone by yourself with whatever that product is and unmanned um like a environment where whether it's factories whether it's uh, the flight line because we have seen that happen <laughs> and uh, uh it's going to be like uh, an empty office so to speak um so that that was one of the uh, points that Deming put out there who founded TQM that also said this is how I feel is an ideal way for you to implement the system on top of the principles that we've talked about already so. Yeah, and and let's look a little bit more on the emphasis on the human aspect of quality. Maybe okay. there's some people out there that uh, are like, "Hey, uh, touch touch a little bit more on that." So uh, there's some sub principles here uh, to to the human aspect of quality. Uh, first one being institute training on the job. I think <sighs> most of our places have OJT mm-hmm. or some type of C. It's it, it's all CYA essentially. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the training is very, very uh, good and in depth, um, but uh, I will say, for my own area of operation, it's more of a CYA thing, and it's mm-hmm. nearly all OJT, mm-hmm. uh, where you'll get your good experience. Um, drive out fear is the next principle. Oh, that's a good one. Eliminate good barriers one. to pride of workmanship, Ooh. and the last one being institute education and self improvement. Man, uh, yeah. Those are good. Those are good ones, man. And so, so we have we have this stuff, right? Stuff we've been preaching about and saying for some time. And then when you actually see this stuff in the book, I'm like, oh my god! Like, thank you. <laughs> it's exactly what we were trying to say. And uh, the ones that uh that stuck out to me when you were reading is the drive out fear part and the institute uh or remove barriers for for that raw people of pride of workmanship. Oh my god, man! Like, worded is so perfect. That's like the, everything we've been trying to like really push and then someone just like comes along just throws it into like a like a haiku almost you know? <laughs> yeah oh, oh my god this is so smart especially the drive off fear part because um, uh, a lot of individuals would not speak up to things or they'll kind of um they'll only do quality because in fear of some kind of reprimand right or what their version of quality or their version of of uh, compliance is uh just for fear of getting fired. And we see that a whole bunch of times. Like um, uh, mechanics will sign things off because they're in fear that they'll lose their job if they say something or if they speak up about it. Or um, uh, we had like, uh, when we had the uh, 
the dietitian and the therapist, Cora and Jill here, they say like pilots will just keep their mouth shut because they don't want to lose their, their license. I'm like, wow. Right. So that kind of, that stuck out to me too, especially when it comes to driving out fear. And, and then us here on the quality standpoint, like where everyone has this notion that quality is just out to get you. Right. We have, we're there for that. I got you moment and, and, and hang you out to dry. Yeah. Like we have a quota or some, some yeah. shit to meet, but we really don't. We don't. Um, you know, I, and I, I will, I will say for the realm that I work in, I, I would say we're fairly relaxed. Um, mm-hmm. We find a lot more than we report uh, oftentimes just saying, Hey, fix it on the spot kind of thing. The only, mm-hmm. only ones that really get, you know, punched down on are the safety ones uh, either to a person or to, to the air vehicle itself. Mm-hmm. Um, or or blatantly not following your your tech data like that's how you're going to end up in the safety one you know yeah you're going to get you're going to get hit with a tech data violation and then, and then subsequently if you hurt yourself or someone else or the or the asset uh then you're going to fall into the safety realm too oh yeah uh, double whammy you know oh yeah if there's anyone who doesn't play around with anything it's safety safety those dudes are hounds hounds especially when oh, yes. it comes to- yeah, you think quality doesn't care about your uh, budget and time frame? Let me tell you, there's another entity out there who cares even less about <laughs> that, and that's the safety group. They give oh. two shits about your schedule. Quality will play ball with your schedule a little bit, right? We know there's flights to make and and uh, product releases to uh, to be had. Uh, safety cares not for any of it. <laughs> zero fucks. They <laughs> 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 give zero. <laughs> Like uh, I remember this one. I'm, I'm tailing off again, but I remember this one where they had a they did a safety walkthrough. This was when COVID hit full force, like everything was shutting down and stuff. And um, there were some people who were still very uncomfortable with having to wear their masks. And so safety does their walkthrough. Saw more than fifty percent of people not wearing masks, so they called an immediate shutdown of the entire area. Like you will shut down. You're gonna have this class, and then when we feel you are good and compliant, then you can resume work. Like. Oh shit! Hey, I mean, I, I you know, take take it for what it, uh, for how you want to see it as far as like the COVID thing, but the fact that safety was able to just shut shit down so hard, so fast, and then tell us when we get to go back on the playground and and do our thing again, that was pretty boss. You know what I mean? And they gave mm-hmm. no fucks, like like uh how how soon this plane had to get out. They didn't care how how, how much work needed to get done or how much work um. We had left in the day. They just like, well, you fucked up, and you're gonna pay for it. I'm like, shit. <laughs> right. So, 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 so let's look at some more of these uh, implications, right, in regards mm-hmm. to the uh, emphasis on the human uh, aspect of quality. So, <clears throat> make respect for people a very important value. Ooh, Full, yes. Fully engaging everyone on the team as an equal contributor to the success of the product, mm-hmm. putting a high level of emphasis on the training and skills of individuals to exercise good judgment and how the process is executed rather than relying on highly prescriptive predefined processes that tell people what to do. Mm, that oh. one, that one, I, I always say, you know, let mechanics be mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lord knows there's some slack jaws out there that, that you have to like write things in a third grader setting, uh, take out pan- uh, screw number one, tie shoes, put on, you know, deodorant today. Like you have to prescribe everything. That one I can see going either way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, use, you use good judgment, uh, rather than following your tech debt, tech data. Mm. Well, I, I can tell you, okay, use best judgment. But let me tell you what the FAA thinks about best judgment. Yeah, right. <laughs> did, did you? Yeah, that's nice. You you made the best decision that you could at the time. Uh, unfortunately, that conflicts with what the maintenance manual says. So straight to jail. Right. <laughs> um, you know, like that, yes. that. That one. That one's a. That one's a different one to me. Um, the next one is substituting positive motivation in leadership for traditional command and control. Um, we've been harping on this for a long time. I, a lot of us who are listening, six and I specifically, 
uh, have been uh, victims of the command and control for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Now, command and control might have to happen initially if a program is just out and out failing because uh, people aren't being held accountable to do their jobs appropriately. Instead mm-hmm. of uh, eliminating those those roadblocks, they the program just suffers. Um, and then command and control, yes, uh, has to come in and right the ship, so to speak. Um, but then over time, as you get more motivated individuals who care about what they're doing and the product they release, um, you can relinquish that command and control to the uh, motivation and leadership. I mean, I I don't know a lot of people that will go out of their way to do a bad job. So, so foster those kind of people. If you have them, if you're fortunate enough to be around them, if you're lucky enough to be one of them, I mean, foster that mentality and uh, let them tell them the end goal and and let them fly, you know? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So uh, then let's see here. The last one for this, uh, the aspect of uh, humans, uh, eliminating sweatshops and death march projects where people are forced to work to, Jesus, eliminating sweatshops and death march projects where people are forced to work excessive amounts of overtime to meet arbitrary schedule commitments and instead working at a sustainable pace. <laughs> oh my God. I, I am so attacked by this right now. <laughs> I, know. I know. Oh my God. Uh, I never thought of them as death march projects, but I am going to start referring to those at work as death mark projects. Right. Hey, we all got to work this weekend. That's super interesting. We saw this coming uh, on Monday. Uh, we brought it up and nobody chose to do anything. Now it's Friday at three in the afternoon and you're saying we're working uh, 12 hour shifts all weekend. <laughs> uh no no death mark projects well or schedule plan better i, I don't know what to tell you yes you know? <laughs> and, and unfortunately i'm not in a position where i can make that call but if i was uh my god would i be trying my best to put an end to death march projects because of, of piss poor planning somebody's like hey we got to work 12s this weekend why uh we got to take care of this did that just pop up today uh no we knew about it on monday Super interesting. Super right. interesting. Okay. I can see that. All right. All right. Well, uh, do we have any leeway in the schedule? No. Oh, more so interesting that you didn't build any leeway into the schedule. Fantastic. So, cool. What we're going to do is we're going to work this weekend then to get ourselves to write the ship. And so help me God if you come and ask me for this bullshit again. Yep. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I will see to it that you are personally here uh, and, and, and working. Oh, that's another one too, especially when we get those death marches. Like we get the orders to get going or we get the direction to do that. And the people who who put that out there aren't even there. Like, what the fuck? Like, you you put me through this bullshit and we're gonna we're we're just gonna leave leave us out here and you're not gonna do shit about it? Like not even right, like so that ties in with the leadership and the cultural thing we had talked about a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. You know, if leaders don't care, I mean the maintainers, they they see that right away. Ask me how I know. Yep, you're out there. You got. You mean we got to work this weekend, son of a. And then you're like, "Hey, where's so and so?" Oh, they they didn't come in because they're you know they're managers. Oh, okay, so they're not here, so we're not going to get much done either. And you nearly all you did was all you all the only thing positive you did was give people overtime that weekend, but you really didn't make probably any progress on your schedule, right? Because people just go out of their way to slow down and drag feet and go, oh. Oh, that's cool. You, uh, you, uh, it was important enough that you made us work this weekend, but not important enough for you to be here. Fantastic. Yeah. Understood. Roger yep. that, you know. Gotcha. So I, I, I kind of relate this to a lot of our fitness fans out there because they're the ones who kind of explained this to me the best way. It's like picture like going to the gym and working out for four hours, right? That's a long freaking time. And I've seen some people who work out for four damn hours. And, and then um, it blows my mind. Like, how the hell do you work out for four hours? Right. And it's like, and they tell me their routine. Like I do this, I do this, I do this. I'm like, yeah, but there's a lot of rest in between there. You're resting, you're eating, and you're spending like a whole day basically at the gym for four hours. And this one person who's like really smart, really into really into fitness, really into the science of fitness. He goes like, you know what? I bet you I could crunch those four hours into an hour and a half. And he goes, wow, how? And and it blew some people's minds. And he goes like, "Well, picture this: like you're doing reps 
but you're not doing reps efficiently. You're just doing it just to do it. Like if you if you do your reps a certain way till you actually start uh like uh being effective with it, now now you just cut your time and have you can go spend it doing something else. Unless the gym's like literally your escape from life and you don't want to talk to people and shit. So like that I could understand. Just say it like that. Don't say I'm gonna go work out for four hours. <laughs> but that uh that that really dials in deep with the arbitrary schedules and working people ungodly amounts of hours to hit this arbitrary goals or schedule is because we hear this time and again, uh, MVP has, has said we're we're working 12, 14, 16, sometimes 18 hour shifts to meet re- meet this goal that we don't even know what it is half the time. Like, oh, this flight's got to go out. Okay, so cool. Why are we working 18 hour days back to back to make this one? Well, because, he, you know, and they don't actually explain how it, how it works out. If they kind of just say, like, okay, this is what needs to happen. Here's all the steps. And then it's going to take this long to get here. They just kind of forecast that, hey, based on um, like how I feel you guys work, we're going to take this long. So I need to work you 18 hours. Like, well, but if you tell us what needs to get done, we can make it happen. Especially if this is like the number one thing to do. They, this, this has to happen. Then this has to happen. Then this has to happen. You'd be amazed, right. man. Yeah, You'd it be comes amazed. to planning. Like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Six. No worries. But what, what I was going to tie in with it, with what you said about uh, there has to be a clear goal. Yes. You can't just say we're working this weekend. Okay, what's the end goal? Uh, we're well, we're just going to continue on production, right? But is there a specific point in the production process we're getting to? No, we're just going to get ahead. Cool. We're not. Well, we're not getting ahead. Let me let me yeah. tell you that right now. Um, well, let's just say, oh, hey, what are we working this weekend for? Well, we need to get this uh, bird through production so we can get its first flight uh, for Monday. Or we, or we need to get this plane greened up so we got a flight for Monday. Cool. What is the nature of the flight? Uh, is it training? Is it test? Is it, you know, some, some other thing? You say, oh, it's only training. All right. Awesome. Just pilot training? Yeah, yeah. Nothing, no special systems? No, just pilot training. Fantastic. So I know that this, this system that we're, uh, we've, we've now gone on a diagonal or it's a, you know, it's a circle red X or something. You know, we, I don't need that system to be operational for that pilot to get his training in. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not integral to the flight systems. Um, it's a, it's an electronics package of some other variant. You know, uh, it, it's a special radio that's not, not, you know, the pilots staying local to the airfield. They're not crossing the country or whatever. So, okay, we can make that if we get to, we just need to get the jet to here. But let's say it's a, hey, we got these certain uh, avionics packages we've installed and we got to test those by Monday. All right, well, that changes the scope. Now I know I need to get at least those packages and the primary systems working. You know, yeah. it, it, you have to have a goal because otherwise, I mean, people are just spin out there freewheeling yep. and, and you're wasting time trying to fix issues that might not need fixed right now. So, okay, we got three downing, well, three, I'm going to say downing, but three, three write-ups. Um, one is a hydraulic, uh, hydraulic, you know, pack failure. One is, um, you know, the igniter problem. And the last one's uh, a loose screw uh, uh, that holds the upholstery on the seat. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, everybody's going to go and try to fix the, try to do the screw first. But you're like, hey, that's the, that's the last one we should be working on. We should probably swap that igniter, and then, and then, big one being, uh, let's get that hydro system working so I can uh, retract extend gear. Right. Well, what about that screw in the seat? I don't fucking care about it. We can take that one out and write it up as Emmy on the MEL list. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not structural. It's not nothing else. Like, like focus your time on the bigger items. But if you just say everything is number one, nothing is number one. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And people will always veer towards the easier jobs first. So what they're going to do is like, well, I'm already working this loose screw on the seat upholstery. Oh my God. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> right. And and so to build all this back, right? Like uh all this factors into that or to what we call the total quality management, where like the idea is to have this framework that improves um quality and focuses on the customer's requirements, whatever like whoever your customer is. And the process is not just meant for 
the people on the floor executing, but it's the top down, as we have said, like the employees have or the people doing the work have to be so invested into it that they're they take pride in their workmanship. And then the people on the very top need to be invested in this because if their their strategic plan, their waterfall diagrams, their their um their approach, if it's not factor in all these different variables, it's gonna turn to shit each and every time. And then all you're gonna do is just antagonize the people who work for you. <laughs> and then now you're left in uh, with an empty airport, an empty factory, an empty hangar full of stuff that's just gonna for the most part collect dust until you go bankrupt. <laughs> so so yeah, essentially. So like uh, the idea behind behind total quality is to uh, focus on the organization to be customer focused and to build long term success. Example is freaking Toyota. We say Toyota a lot, but I mean, there's other good companies out there, but Toyota is probably like the best one since uh, this is probably where this type of concept first originated. So, um, yeah, big stuff. Um, so, do we still use to- total quality management today? Absolutely, yes. Uh, it may be called something different wherever you're at. Sometimes they'll just say uh, quality management system or ISO right. or AS, uh, what a- AS whatever, ISO whatever, or ISEC. I think it's ISEC. What, like the digital version, like the IT's version of ISO. I forget what it is. But, yeah, uh, it's uh, industry standard electronic components or something like that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, for forgive us, I'm sorry. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I, f- I focus ma- majority on ISO and AS. I'm sorry. <laughs> so for all the IT dudes, please don't kill me or hack my computer and, and tell Skynet to kill me. I'm sorry. <laughs> or, or hack my computer, but like while you're in there, throw a bunch of uh, throw a one with a bunch of zeros into my bank account. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny shit. I'm, sorry, I'm thinking like I'm thinking like at least uh, at least uh, six zeros, <laughs> right? At least six, seven figures would be fine. You'll be all right. They they, they don't suspect after seven or before anything below seven. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, so we still use totally quality management today. It may be called something different. Uh, the actual term itself might have evolved into something else because of all these new awesome things that the quality systems tools are using nowadays, Uh, especially with the onset of AI and bigger, better uh, data analytics. It's, it's, it's scary how some of this stuff can actually predict things just based on a couple of number crunches. I mean, AI itself, man, like uh, this stuff, like you feed enough info, it starts, it starts regurgitating data that it's on the verge of like creativity if anyone's ever heard of that, I think that's kind of like what AI art is going through right now. But anyways, um, so that's still, it still exists. Some of the concepts might be a little bit tweaked to fit your organization best as we have alluded to ourselves. <laughs> um, but it's still there. And if you ever do want to um, like learn more about this stuff, I mean, shoot, like almost every program manager's guidebook or project management class has something of this degree into it and it may not be specifically called total quality but it's their points are basically the same thing so i mean uh, uh anything anything else we should uh touch on mvp no uh you're talking about ai that just got me thinking here for a second about how to qa an ai system right that's that's kind of learning like yeah. you almost have to be smarter than the ones and zeros that it's generating. Right. And, uh, and I, I do think I just broke myself trying to compute <laughs> that. Yeah. And that's a new thing that's coming out too. Nowadays, now that you mentioned it, uh, I forget the name of the concept that's specifically for AI quality or digital quality. Um, but that's, that's actually a thing now and it's fast becoming a, a big deal. Uh, especially with how smart AI is becoming. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think the biggest thing for quality in, in AI at this point in the game is uh, the ethic, ethical side. Yes. Uh, you got to nail down the ethics first yes. and then figure out how to, uh, I think that other than that, the, the quality would tie in with uh, coding efforts. Oh um, my God, coding. <laughs> just yeah. just hearing coding just makes my brain like fry. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. 
the those individuals out there who can code like it's cool, like my hats off to you guys, man, because that takes a uh, a big degree of patience and a whole other universe of scrutiny, and just like having an extra space or doing an extra zero can just like totally screw the whole universe up. So, <laughs> like uh, my hats off to you guys. But hey, let us know what you think. Like, uh, what do you guys think about co- total quality management? About some of the implications, some of the points, some of the principles that we talked about. Is there anything of total quality that you completely agree with? Don't agree with? Feel it's not used enough? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, and if you're a SME in the uh, which is a subject matter expert in the total quality management system, uh, let us know uh, if what we've talked about, you know, those principles and such have changed and evolved yes. already. You know, maybe maybe uh, six and I are operating on our our dated information, but. Uh, let us know if uh, things have changed so we can uh, get smart with you. Yes, absolutely. Please uh, hit us up in the comments. Hit us up on social media, our website, our email, or best of yet, go on Patreon, join our Discord. And we have all sorts of these insightful discussions with amongst each other. Like some of the stuff like I'm learning about, I've never heard it in my life. And they are our peop- guys on Discord consistently challenge us for new, better things or consistently ask us questions that really pick our brains. And Sometimes it picks our brains so much that it turns into episodes like this. <laughs> so uh, by all means, let us know, hit us up and tell us what y'all think. Um, on that note, we thank you all for listening and we will catch you all again on the next one. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everyone. We would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes, maintain our gear and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformaintenance.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.